Shabbat Shalom. It's very nice to be back here in the pulpit. Uh, I want to just say that many of you know that Josette and I spend part of the year here and part of the year in Israel. And for many years now, in February, I've been leading a group um, that we've called the Path of Abraham or Sharing Perspectives um, that brings together Jews and Muslims and Christians in order to explore both the religious traditions of one another and the political issues between Israelis and Palestinians. Excuse me. Part of what we do is we go to sacred places. We go to places that are holy to different faith traditions. And one of my roles is to help interpret for Christians and Muslims what is sacred about this place for a Jew. So I want you to think for a moment, if you've been to the Western Wall, to the Kotel, what you would tell people. And if you go to the Haram al-Sharif, the what we call, what Jews call Har Habayit, the Temple Mount, what you would tell people. How would you explain how sacred it is and why it's sacred? And if you go into the Church of the Holy Sepulchre and you listen to what Christians believe happened in that place and you watch their devotion and their intensity. How does it feel as a Jew to see somebody else in a place that is tremendously sacred to somebody else? And how does it feel, if you're a Muslim or a Christian, to be in a place that's sacred for Jews? So one of the things that I try to do is explain a Torah understanding of the idea of Kedushah, of holiness. What is holy? What is Kadosh? So I want you to think for a moment. The most, the most absolute idea of Kadosh is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The one who is holy May that one be blessed. Everything else is subsidiary to the idea of God as Kadosh. But there's also place, a mikdash. So I explain how in our tradition the land of Israel is sacred. There are different laws that pertain even to vegetables in the land of Israel. Jerusalem is considered more sacred. The Temple Mount is considered even more sacred. The area where the temple actually was is even more kadosh. And then you get to the epicenter, what Jews called the Kadosh Kadashim, the Holy of Holies. And if you know anything about the place now, 
you know that on the place that we consider to be the most kadosh, the from where, according to a midrash, the world is birthed, that is also a sacred place to Muslims. And we don't always agree on whose behavior is right in that area. There's something else that's kadosh. Many of you on Friday night will introduce your meal by saying kiddush. Shabbat is kadosh. There's a sense of time. So now we have God, place, time. And I mentioned another one to Leah. This isn't your exam, don't worry. I mentioned action, deed, where we say even the words, Asher Kiddishanu B'mitzvotav, you make us sacred through our actions, through doing these mitzvot. Now it's very important for me when I'm doing these things for non-Jews, for Christians, for Muslims, to emphasize the significance of the land of Israel and Jerusalem, of the Temple Mount and of the Holy of Holies, because it is an area of conflict. And it's important for others to understand how significant it is for us. We also have to understand why these places are so significant to others. But I want to tell you what happened this year when we visited the Haram al-Sharif, the Temple Mount area. Um, I don't go into the Dome of the Rock. The Dome of the Rock sits over what had been the Holy of Holies. So I don't go in. There are many other religious Jews who don't go in. But there are Jews who will walk around the perimeter of that area, as I do. Now, there's an agreement between Israel and the Waqf. The Waqf is the um, trust of the Muslims that administers that area. And the agreement is that we won't pray. Christians can't pray, Jews can't pray. The only ones who can pray in that area are Muslims. I can say certain words in my head, but if they see me carrying a book, or if they see me moving my lips, there are people who come over and say, you can't do that. In fact, they're a little more brutal than you can't do that. Well, when we were up there, we had a guide who is authorized by the waqf, which means he's a devout Muslim. And it means that he is loyal to the ideas that the Muslim community wants to get across when people are up on the Temple Mount. He pointed to the Jewish visitors who were walking around and he called them provocators. They're provoking. I said to him and to the group, they look pretty innocent to me. He said, yes, but they have army people with them. They have the police and security. And, and that's provocative. And I said, well, why do you think they might need that security? He brushed that off. We talked a little bit about the area. 
And one of the interesting things is that the walk practices what, it call, what we would call temple denial. That is, if you ask him what happened before the Al-Aqsa Mosque was built, what happened before the Dome of the Rock was built, what happened before the Muslims, the response is, that's irrelevant because this is sacred to us. Now we had briefed people beforehand not to push that issue because they're very sensitive to that. But effectively, it nullifies the idea of Jesus coming to the temple and it certainly nullifies the idea that Jews had a temple there. So it's very interesting to listen and to be in a situation where in order to make sure that the group is welcomed, we don't have a lot of pushback. We have to debrief later and talk about that. Of course there is a sense in holiness of exclusivity. There are no non-Muslims allowed, for example, in Mecca. You're not even supposed to fly over the city if you're not a Muslim, but sometimes they make some allowances. Now, in many cases in the Torah, the words that mean holy or kadosh also imply separation or distinguishing. And the rabbis explain that kadoshim tihiyu, that's on the beginning of that chapter 19, that page that I pointed out to you, doesn't just mean you shall be holy, but it means you shall be separate. And the laws of Shabbat and Kashrut are good examples of those. We separate the Shabbat from other days of the week through special observance. We separate the food we eat, the diet, between types of food. Now there's something else because this is a double parsha this week and the first Torah portion begins by instructing Aaron not to enter the most holy of the area whenever he wants, but only once a year under very specific conditions and depending on very particular rituals subject to death. A few years ago, we brought an exhibit to the Ram, and we had artifacts from Jerusalem, and one of the artifacts from Jerusalem was a sign in Hebrew and Greek that said, if you're not sacred, if you're not already a Kohen, you can't come into this area under penalty of death. So holiness is something you want to pursue, but it's also something you might have to stay away from. Be very careful. So the Torah tells us to be holy, but also warns us to beware of what's holy. And that idea of separation, some of you will remember there was a, a commercial for um, hot dogs, I think it was, 
where they said, we answer to a kosher hot dogs, we answer to a higher authority. Well, there's that sense of something higher. But Ramban, Rabbi Moshe ben Nachman, who lived in Spain and then later in Israel, he lived in Girona. By the way, if those of you go to Spain, you can go and then you can actually see his, the seal that he used for his documents. You can see areas where he lived in if you go to Spain. So Ramban said it's not enough to follow the rules because it's possible to follow the rules and, and drink wine, kosher wine, drink beer, drink good scotch, and it's possible to overdrink. It's possible to eat kosher food and to overeat. It's possible to have other limitations that are within the sphere of Jewish life, but not necessarily to do things to their ideal. So what he said is that the idea of being holy is to be aspirational. It's to aim for something higher. Now what's interesting is that the literary structure of the book of Leviticus, and Leah, I know you're going to talk about this, but only to your guests. The literary structure of the book of Vayikra places one of the core commandments of the Torah at the very center of the book. And the book of Leviticus, the middle of the book is right here, this Torah portion. And the book of Leviticus is in the middle of the Torah. So in the middle of the Torah and in the middle of Leviticus and in the middle of this parsha is the commandment to love your neighbor as yourself. And so in some ways, we're called to be different, to be separate, and also to love others. We're told to avoid and to engage, to contrast and to connect. And I want to bring that to contemporary Israel for a moment. In Masechet Chagiga, we read these words. Rabbi Yossi Omer, Rabbi Yossi says, Oy lahem labriot, woe to those people, sheroot ve'enon yodot. Woe to those people who see and know not what they see, who stand and not know upon what they stand. We are marking Israel's 75th birthday. It's a diamond jubilee. And if you think about what Israel has accomplished over that 75 years, first the creation of independent state, then taking in refugees and immigrants who won the war, and, who, and they won the war. They lost 1% of the total population. They constructed a system of state institutions despite constant threats and despite the fact that many people who came to Israel didn't have these democratic traditions. It absorbed millions of immigrants from across the globe. It constructed a society and a national identity. 
and it persevered in spite of military threats. It built an economy that is one of the leading high-tech economies of the world. And it fulfilled a promise of changing a fundamental condition of Jewish life. Zionism was a response to Jewish insecurity, to physical danger, and it called not only for political liberation, but also for that liberation to be manifest in a sovereign state. Only in that state could Jews be guaranteed freedom from oppression. Only there could there be a safe haven for all Jews around the world. That success is monumental. And if we don't realize it, we don't know what we're seeing or what we're standing on. David Hartman, my teacher, who I'm going to be teaching about this spring here at Beth Sedek, said, we looked at Israel as a miracle, but now it's time to actually figure out how do we live in the mundane world? How do we deal with the rules for minorities? How do we deal with all the issues of government? I'd like to suggest that some ways the issues that are being fought over today in Israel are actually a question of holiness. Some of the Jews want Israel to be distinctive, different, and to make it clear that it's a Jewish state and that others are there only by tolerance. And others have a different vision of Kedushah. They want to see a Jewish state that is also turned toward others, that is building a society inclusive of minorities and protective of human rights. The haftarah that the rabbis selected, the words of Amos that say that the nation of Israel is no better than others, says on some level that ethical actions are required to restore and to maintain the people of Israel in the land of promise. So we can't simply avoid being like others. God's holiness radiates outward. And so the holiness that God expects of us can't be only the creation of an insular society. We're commanded not only to avoid something, writes my teacher Ray Schindlin, but also to do something. When we're told to love the stranger, when we're told to love one another, that's the start of a path of holiness. Leah, you're starting on that path. It's more than just obedience. It's more than building a safe space for Jews. We have to be worthy of what we have built and what we have inherited. And so the Declaration of Independence, the Proclamation of Independence of the State of Israel says, 
that it will balance the special status of a Jewish state along with complete equality of social and political rights to all its inhabitants, irrespective of religion, race, or sex. Whether we're reading Leviticus or Amos, whether we are here in Canada or in Israel, we have to hold on to these twin aspirations. We have to keep them in a dynamic dialogue. We should celebrate what we have accomplished, and we should realize we have much more that we still must strive for.